An alcoholic is someone you don't like who drinks the same amount as you. This is Deserter. Greetings and welcome to another pubcast in the pissing rain. <laughs> this is Dirty South. And I'm Dulwich Raider. Uh, in this episode, burgers, crisps, drugs, hangovers and of course... Pubs. Closed ones, open ones, nice ones, rough ones. God, I went to a quiz night in a real rough house the other night. Yeah, really? Yeah, at least I think it was quiz night. The first question was, what are you looking at? <laughs> All right, yeah. Um, I I think I've been to that quiz before somewhere. (laughs) Uh, Plus, we'll be following in the London footsteps of larger-than-life Welshman Dylan Thomas. Who gave us that great opening quote about alcoholics, Mm. uh, as well as some poems, apparently. That's right. Uh, And we'd like to say a big thank you to Go Out London for Mm -hmm. sponsoring this series of the podcast. Yes, these pints don't pay for themselves, you know. Uh, Cheers, Go Out London, the app for drinking and dining out across town. Download it from the App Store, please. And talking of pints, is it time for the per- first um, pub quiz? I am a bit, bit thirsty. Me too, it's nearly 12, let's get it on. <laughs> we are in uh, London's Fitzrovia, mm. um, north of Soho. Yes, NoHo. Uh, uh, yeah, NoHo, also known as. And we're heading to a pub. Which was na- uh, it's on Rathbone Place mm-hmm. and is named after John Manners, uh, a guy who uh, is, is, is supposed to have more pubs named after him than any other person. Wow. And this is due to his practice of setting up old soldiers of his regiment as publicans when they became too old to serve. Mm. And of course the pub isn't called John Manners, it's named after his title. Indeed. What is the name of the pub we're going to? Okay, and we are, of course. Uh, we didn't say. Did we say where we were in, in? Did we say we were in Soho? Probably did. Yes, we said Fitzrovia, north of Soho. Then you said Soho. It was literally thirty seconds ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well here we are uh, in the Bohemian Pub Triangle, and we are at which pub, Raider? We're in the Marquis of Granby. Indeed, we are. And many of them around the country. Well remembered. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, cheers. Having a pint of London Pride. And you had to send yours back, didn't you? I did. I, I started with a Doom Bar. I one wasn't right, was sip it? and back it went. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on the Pride too. Um, OK, uh, what the fuck have you been up to? Well, uh, in a sort of news section, we're going to say what we did next after the last podcast. If we can remember it. If we can remember it, yeah. I mean... In a way, it's quite predictable, because I think the first thing we did after we turned off the lights yeah. uh, on the last podcast was skin up. Yes. We were in a park. Yes. It was still late summer. Yes. And we had some tinnies. And we were celebrating the life, of course, of Bob Marley. Yeah. So it all made sense, really, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was a tribute, really. Yeah. And it was all downhill from there, as I remember. Pretty much, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so where did we go after that? We went to the Douglas Fir. Yeah, very nice. The tap room of Gypsy Hill Brewery. Yeah. And um, had a delicious pint there. The outside tables were taken, so yeah. we didn't... Didn't tarry. Tarry for more than one. 
And then we went along to uh, the uh, Bridge House, didn't we? Yes, but I think before that we stopped for another smoke in the park. Good lads, good lads. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Then we went to, yes, the Bridge House Tavern, which, uh, as the Penge Tourist Board furiously told us, yeah. is in Penge. Yes, indeed. And not the Crystal Palace Penge Borders. <laughs> But, I mean, they do, it's understandable, they have a, a tourist industry to protect. They're good, I mean, they're very good at it. Uh, and then, um, not being men of great athleticism, mm. we decided to not walk over Crystal Palace Hill. No. We decided to get the train one stop from Crystal Palace to Gypsy Hill yeah. to visit the Bull and Finch. Yes. The Bull and Finch's... Uh, Bullfinches. Bullfinches. Bullfinch breweries. Tap room. Tap room. Yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, you say we were in a bit of a rush. Athletic, yes. Yeah. Because, but um, once we'd accidentally tapped out the wrong exit and you were being asked to tap through a barrier again, That's you true. leapt like a salmon over the barrier. Yes. La- landed like a salmon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And we were in a bit of a rush because um, we were worried about closing time at yes. eight. Google said it eight. Yeah. yeah. And so, having uh, leapt over the barrier, I decided um, to leap over the road barrier. Yes, you uh, did. Across the road. Yeah, which... hop, skip, and a jump over the uh, recycling. Uh, yeah, I hopped boxes. onto a recycling, plastic recycling box and um, vaulted over into the road. And then you tried to do the same, didn't you? Yes, <laughs> I thought that looked, that, that looked easy. And uh, yeah, I like the, like the look of that. Uh, unfortunately, I put my foot straight through the top of the recycling box. Honestly, you were clumping around with that box on the end of your foot. <laughs> I mean, the, trying to get to the pub. The, the, <laughs> what a sight! Yeah, what a sound! I mean, it was like, it was like crack when I put my foot through it. It was, you know, it, it alerted everybody. Um, um, and uh, anyway, it turned out the bottom finish didn't shut at eight, so we no. got an emergency pint in, and then we had another two. <laughs> Uh, we met Sam from Belleville Brewery there, it was a good chat with him. So we did, yes. And um, then we got the train to Peckham. I think the Canavan's pool bar must have come up in conversation at some point because um, when we got off at Peckham, I remember thinking, why, why is he getting off here? <laughs> About you. And then when we got outside the station, he said, right, which way? And I said, which way to where? And he said, Canavan's. <laughs> Okay, we're going to Canavans. Right. <laughs> Do you remember the drug search when we got there? Yeah, that was quite. Um, it was a nice, nice. Yeah, it was a nice fella, but he was he repeatedly said, "Are you sure you haven't got any drugs on you?" Yeah. So I assume he must have stunk of weed. Oh, maybe. Yeah. And he did. Maybe. He did search us both. Yeah. Um, but somehow didn't find them. I don't no. know why. They weren't, they weren't hidden. And then we, then we got in and. Um, after having to join Canavans, the last people to join because it was only a few days later it was announced that sadly it was going to have to close. I've still got my membership card Um, and then uh, after we'd gotten through the rigmarole of signing in and the drug search she said I guess you'll need a table then and I thought oh god yes I really do and I sit down you can read me like a book (laughs) and she handed us two pool cues. Yes. We were on a pool table of course course we were were in Canavans. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking idiots. So we stayed there playing pool till God knows when, probably about, you know, nearly 10 o'clock. <laughs> um, yeah, a good night out. And nice, nice to um, relive it, in a way. Yes, yes, I think we should make this a regular feature. What did we do after the podcast? Yes, yeah. Um, okay, in other news, um, what we've been up to, uh, we 
published a piece, didn't we, about pints in shelter? How where yeah. to have a pint under cover? Yeah. It was um, it was instigated by a, a reader, Ross Masters, who, mm. who who wrote in saying, "For fuck's sake!" He <laughs> <laughs> no, was much more polite than that. Um, you know, now the weather's turning. Could we have a list of places that we can go and have a drink at outside, but can shelter from the rain? Mm. So that's how that's how it started. And that and that, that very afternoon, we'd been uh, sitting in the Phoenix in um, at Denmark Hill, mm. underneath their canopy, you know, overlooking Ruskin Park, sort of thing. Thinking this is a nice little spot for it. It was pissing down with rain that day as well, wasn't yeah. it? Why is it? Why always us? Why us? <laughs> Um, so we put this piece together about uh, sheltering on the rain, sheltering from the rain. It's up on the website now, um, deserter website. But it's sort of evolved now, of course, into a piece about where you can sit outside with someone who's not from your household. Yeah, which is I mean it's a public service, isn't it? Yeah, and, and you know people have been sending us stuff. Thank you for uh, sending us your your favourite spots to uh, have a pint out of the rain. Yeah, it's very much uh, a crowdsourced uh, piece and. Um, we're basically we're doing it again right now we're, we're outside the marks of Granby under the canopy in the pissing rain I mean while it's still not too cold it is a lovely thing to do but I do prefer to a vista I like a view you know yes. perhaps a street view or a, you know a river view would be the holy no. grail I don't yes. think we've got enough of those have we no and, um, we're on the lookout for that yes I mean lots of pubs have put up like tents yeah. they, next to them I mean the, the Man, Man of Kent is, uh, is a classic oh the Man of Kent the crime scene tent in Nuno <laughs> I mean I haven't been in it, but uh, yeah. that's a must-do. That's a yeah. must-do. It, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, does, uh, does the coronavirus just not like camping? Is that, <laughs> <laughs> is that what it's about? <laughs> um, there's a few that I need to add to the piece, actually. The Hootenanny, I've seen some pictures. Okay. They've got some amazing, uh, like, individual canopies for each of their outside tables. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shortland's Tavern, Tolbert mm. in Broccoli. The Woodhouse has got a winter wonderland under undercover up oh. on Sydenham Hill. Right. And I hear the Fox and Firkin in Lewisham is very uh, good. Oh, yes, yes. Nightlife as well at Catford, I heard. Okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, surely there must be somewhere brilliant on the river. And yes. We need that one piece, one, one, one place on the, on the water where you can just sit and watch the rain dance on the tide. Yes, if you know of one, please let us know. Yeah. Now, uh, you've been out of town, have you not? I did go out of town for a uh, relaxing break on the North Norfolk coast with moose. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Uh, very traumatic. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as you know, like many ramblers, I, I like to unwind in the evening with a pint and a massive spliff. So <laughs> I was... Uh, I was carrying a bit of green and um, naturally once I got to, to Norwich to change trains there was a little bit of commotion and I noticed mm-hmm. a lot of uh, the law on the platform oh. and dogs god they were, long. they were sniffing dogs as you as you got out at Norwich so needless to say I about turned and headed straight for the Sheringham train I thought I should warn Moose though because um, he was joining the train at Norwich but then I remembered he, he Stop smoking. So he doesn't smoke. He yeah. doesn't smoke. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyway, I'm on the train. I finally managed to get on the train uh, before the dog comes up the platform. My heart racing and Moose races on, red faced, sweating, like, you know, like he normally looks. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and 
He looks like death. I said, what's the matter, mate? He said, I was about to tell you, I've just been sniffed by the dogs. Ooh. Sniffed by the dogs. I said, I didn't, I didn't think he smoked. He said, I've got some hash. And this. Uh, and he showed me what I can only describe as a crack pipe, <laughs> which he'd, he'd, he'd bought to smoke his hash without tobacco. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, I used to have one of those. Did you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he got sniffed and he sort of p- p- pushed the dog away and then the dog came back and he pushed the dog away again while he was looking for his train and then he heard the voice saying, remain calm, sir. Oh, uh, yeah. That's going to put the shits up, yeah. Uh, and then he realised what the fuck was going on and just headed off through the barrier, found his code and went through the barrier. We were thinking, why didn't he get stopped? I mm. mean, um, mm. and then we realised perhaps it's because of the county lines thing. You know, they were only actually interested in the stuff coming off the train, not the stuff taken on the train. Really? At, at Norwich, yeah. Uh, they don't care because it's going somewhere else. Yeah, that they're trying to stop not it coming from London yes. to the counties. I should think so too. Um, or they profiled him as an ageing rambler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and thought yeah, they would stop them. But what this meant to us was, you know, in our uh, panicked state, was that they were going to stop us at Sheringham, <gasps> the end of the line, oh, we, no. and our final destination. And um, we, we got off at Sheringham with some hash, some skunk, and a crack pipe. Jesus Christ, I hope you just swallowed it all. <laughs> well, um, we decided to trick the law by getting off at West Runton. A t- oh, a tiny village just before <laughs> Sheringham. <laughs> I went out first. We've got a system. I go first, and if there's any law there, I give a special sign, which is akin to Stan Laurel's head scratch. <laughs> right. And he dumps it. Oh. So I get off, I walk out. There's no one there. To be honest, it looks like no one's ever been at West Runton, let alone <laughs> the polis. And, and uh, he follows me. <laughs> And there we are, in the middle of nowhere, in the pissing rain, and we do what any self-respecting middle-aged drug ramblers would do. We go for a pint. <laughs> Try to forget all about it. Um, but it was a very, very stressful start to our relaxing walking break. Yeah, yeah. We could have been banged up in a Norfolk slammer for three days, playing mummies and daddies. Ooh. Remember mummies and daddies? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've not actually well, been to prison. <laughs> when the lights go out. I like to play mummies and daddies. Uh, all right. Yeah, who do you want to be? Mummy or daddy? Uh, daddy? Well, come over here and suck mummy's cock then. <laughs> <laughs> That's how mummies and daddies goes. Honestly, just talking about it, it's made all the adrenaline start coursing through me again. It's, it's terrifying. I know, you're a nervous wreck. <laughs> Can we talk about shopping centres? <laughs> okay, shopping then. Yes, we were uh, uh, at the protest of the closing of the um, Elephant Castle shopping centre. Well, you were. Well, I was, yes. Me and Goose were at the, uh, we're in the inside yeah. having a beer. Yeah, I got a text saying, yeah, yeah, we're, uh, we're having a beer. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I just walked through the shopping... This is the Elephant Castle shopping centre, which has sadly now closed. The last day was a couple of weeks ago. And I just thought, as I'm walking through, I walk past the Bodhagita cabin, you know, where they do the empanadas and the mm, mm, nice, mm. Uh, cheap beers. Are you inside? Are you outside? No one really knows. And I'm just taking a photo of my favourite little shack window. Mm. Who's in there? Goose! Ah. Buying a beer! <laughs> Believe me, eyes! Um, yeah, so I joined him for a bit, and then we got the text from you saying, uh, I seem to be on the march. Yeah. I'm going into the road. 
was very excited. Yeah, it's great. It was, yeah, the, the, you know, it was unscheduled, I believe. You know, no mm. police permission, just out into the road with our banners, yeah. megaphone, <laughs> a few. Beeping. I like your banner. Where's my pint? The <laughs> <laughs> few beeping motorists, of course. Of course, um, there were. I mean, I mean, they're driving in zone one. I don't give a fuck what they think. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, it was very sad, but we did afterwards go re- return to the Bodegita shack, and I yeah. think we were served the final, the last beers ever to be served. We were in the it shopping was, centre. It was a moment of history because they shut at six o'clock, and we ordered at ten two. Yeah. Um, and then uh, did a crawl of some local old school pubs, didn't we? Just to check they're all there. Yeah. Uh, the we Albert. Went, the Albert. Yeah. Duke of York. Yeah. Prince of Wales. Yeah. We also went to the tap in, which wasn't the an old, tap in, old, old, which is old new school, but, but good, new, new, newy but goody. Um, and ended up at the Elephant and Castle pub, which I think on 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 the whole was my favourite. It was just something nice about sitting out by the roundabout. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of the favourite one of the favourite pubs by a roundabout, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That was really lovely. It was the best beer, probably too. Probably was, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was a. Uh, uh, a poignant and moving moment what we can remember of it yes um, then and you went to broccoli beer launch yes I went to the uh, broccoli brewery uh, they were doing a beer launch for their autumn ale and that was it that you paid six pounds for a ticket mm. and then you could drink the first barrel until it was gone not on your own mm. unfortunately <laughs> um, there were other people there, but it was really lovely. You, mm. you, you're on a deck chair in an industrial estate, drinking mm. super fresh beer, eating lovely tacos. Lovely. And I reckon I had five pints for six pounds. Very nice. Very good. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> I think it's time to get on the trail of DT. Yeah. yeah. Do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at close of day. So, Dylan Thomas, uh, today we're following in the London footsteps of Dylan Thomas, poet, writer, boozer. Um, actually, whose play come poem under Milk Wood we have featured once before in an episode long, long time ago, about last year. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we did him in Book Corner, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. Dylan Thomas... Uh, he was born in Swansea in 1914, and he died in Manhattan, 1953, aged 39. Yeah. And if Lord Byron was the first international superstar poet, uh, then perhaps Dylan Thomas was the last. Maybe, yeah. I mean, he was quite a celebrity, wasn't he? Absolutely. I mean, it's difficult to... to think of it now because you don't get so many superstar poets do you no you don't Pam Ayres <laughs> yeah he was very good and um, very good and very young when he was very good but cause yes. by the time he came to London in the 30s uh, he was already very well known yes I mean half of his output mm. was while he was a teenager mm. half of the poems that, mm. that he had published uh, poems like and death shall have no dominion. Uh, as you say, were written when he was still in his teens. Auntie and Mary had a canary. Was that, <laughs> was that him? 
and uh, as well as writing poetry as a young man, he was cultivating a taste for the sauce yes. in Swansea. He loved a bit. He loved a pint. He did love a pint. Uh, and when he came to London, he continued to pursue both poetry and drinking with great gusto, mm. um, because as well as being a brilliant poet, he was a prodigious boozer. And um, from early on in ugly, lovely Swansea, as he described it, he enjoyed cultivating the image of a heavy-drinking, penniless poet, mm. which, sure enough, <laughs> came true. <laughs> um, and in London, he sought to make a name for himself through poetry and getting fabulously shit-faced. <laughs> this is two key MOs. He revelled in outrageous behaviour and he used it to meet and chat to everyone and anyone. Uh, I think possibly hoping that the next person he met, if they couldn't help him with his poetry, they might at least buy him a pint. Yeah. And uh, nevertheless, between drinking binges, he worked quite hard at his craft. Mm -hmm. uh, but today, we're going to focus on his drinking. Yes. Um, so, yeah, some uh, rudimentary research, my favourite kind of research, quickly revealed that it probably be easier to talk about the pubs that Dylan Thomas didn't go to, <laughs> uh, rather than the ones he did. Um, he suffered from a condition known as alcoholic constipation. Uh, he was uh, unable to pass a pub. <laughs> um, but I've narrowed the uh, list down to a few contenders. One I'd just like to mention on the side was the city of York uh, on High Holborn. Um, oh, yeah. Which we didn't make, make today, but it's an amazing medieval banqueting hall. Mm. Uh, and also, unfortunately, a Sam Smith pub at the moment. Um, uh, where he wrote a impromptu comic ode for a friend, um, which resurfaced in 2014, uh, about a palace of booze, uh, an ideal pub where everything's free. I won't read it again because I think we've read it in podcasts gone by, but um, it's the, the, this hotel with the free booze is run by a Mr. What's Yours, or oh, What's right. Yours. Ah. Yeah. Um, very amusing, um, and a great, a great place to visit. That the city of York on High Holborn. We won't be there today because we're here in Fitzrovia. Once the bohemian heart of the city, uh, the inner city area known as Fitzrovia, was named after the Fitzroy Tavern round the corner. Right, on one Charlotte of his favourites. One of his favourites. Here, Dylan uh, would spend days in the company of other writers, such as George Orwell or John Heath Stubbs, plus painters like Augustus John and Nina Hamnett. Mm -hmm. And they'd all spend the days leaning on the bar or moaning about how busy they were. <laughs> and uh, he did write that sometimes he would yearn to escape from the promiscuity, the booze, the coloured shirts, the too much talk, too little work. <laughs> uh, but something kept him coming back for more, and by all accounts, it was mostly the beer. <laughs> um, yeah, he would... Uh, arrive apparently at opening time and line up all his pints along the bar <laughs> like like a row of soldiers and slayed a lot of them in single drafts in order to get over the terrible hangover from the night before. It's the only way to do it. <laughs> well now of course we have ketamine. Um, and upstairs at the Fitzroy Tavern Thomas is commemorated with a lovely little room, a handsome room, a library room, uh, but we won't be looking at that today because you know 
We're not allowed. It's a, well, it's a, and it's a Sam Smith pub. Yeah, yeah. I could go in and have a look at it. We could go in separately and have a look at it. Mm. Yeah. All right, let's do that. We don't live together, so we can't. Mm. Um, and then uh, the second point in this Bohemian Triangle is, of course, the wheat sheaf, which we can see yonder. Yeah, uh, that's where he met his wife, isn't he? He did, Caitlin, Caitlin yeah. McNamara. Uh, Caitlin McNamara. Um, so whenever the Fitzroy got a bit too busy, by all accounts, George would, uh, him and George Orwell would lead the party down to Wheatsheaf, a bit smaller, a bit cosier, and a bit mm. you know, less busy, I think. And uh, we spotted, didn't we, the plaque outside, which announces that Dylan Thomas once drank there. Mm -hmm. And as you say, it was here that he met his wife, Caitlin. Um, Long suffering. Yes. <laughs> Although they were soulmates, weren't they? They, they I mean, were. They, they were brought together by booze. They were, yeah. Kept together by booze. What did she describe their marriage as? I wrote it down somewhere. Uh, she described their relationship as raw, red, bleeding meat. Lovely. I can see that's made you hungry. Yeah. Um, anyway, yes, that's where he first met Caitlin, Caitlin and. Uh, it is said he lay his head in her lap, declared his love for her, and proposed marriage. <laughs> oh, that, this is the first meeting, was it? Yeah. Uh, you know, we've all been there, haven't we, particularly towards closing time. <laughs> and um, later Thomas would claim that uh, within ten minutes of meeting Caitlin, they were in bed. <laughs> <laughs> and quite possibly within fifteen minutes he was back in the pub. Um, there's an account on the walls of the Wheatsheaf pub uh, of Dylan Thomas undoing his flies at the bar and offering his penis to a girl. Oh. Who sounds screamed. Like, sounds like Half-Life. Yes, it does. And Spider, come to that. Mm. I mean, he'll whip out his family curse at the merest provocation. Um, it might have worked for Dylan Thomas because uh, he and Caitlin were married the following year, 1937. Mm. A marriage, as you mentioned, uh, fuelled by booze, punctuated by punch-ups and littered with infidelities. Um, Caitlin said, ours was not a love story proper, it was more of a drink story. <laughs> because without the first aid of drink, it could never have got onto its rocking feet. Mm. And then the final pub of the Bohemian Triangle that they frequented, which is where, uh, where we are now, the Marquis of Granby. Um, less artsy than the other two in Thomas's day, but it differed in a crucial aspect. Something so important it was ingrained in the minds of every thirsty local. Oh, yeah. It stayed open half an hour later. Of course, of course. <laughs> While the Fitz and the Sheaf were in Hoban, licensed to 10.30, the Marquis, just over the border in Marylebone, opened till 11. Yeah, I mean, that doesn't sound like a lot to, today, but now we can't drink after 10. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, luxury. So, yeah, come half past 10, the arts crowd would have a, head over en masse for a bonus 30 minutes of drinking, <laughs> um, which... As we all know it's going to be the best ones of the night, isn't it? Yeah, Lovely, yeah we'd delicious. Have, we'd have done it. Um, 
And there we have it. Those were his three favourites in uh, Fitzrover. He did also frequent a lot of drinking clubs, uh, such as the Savage and the Gargoyle. They were sort of basement dens or top floor iries with mm. where you'd go when the pub closed at lunchtime yeah. before it opened in the evening. Mm-hmm. Um, Possibly after the pub's closed. And back in after yeah. the pub closed, yeah. Uh, one in the Gargoyle Club, which was... Um, now the Dean Street townhouse. Uh-huh. Um, Thomas would apparently arrange with friends to arrive as different characters. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes he'd appear as a toff uh, or a pauper or a painter. Um, once or twice he even turned out as a drunk Welsh poet. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the other famous place he frequented, of course, was the York Minster, now French House. Yeah, where uh, he left some of his most famous work. <laughs> so, so that's the first part of Dylan Thomas. Okay. And um, we'll do the second part elsewhere. But in the meantime, the news. The news. The news. Well, should we do the bad news first, and then get to the good news? Yeah. We're on a tier two lockdown. Yeah. Well, unless you've been living under a rock, uh, which, let's face it, sounds like a really lovely place to be at the moment, <laughs> hiding away from, from it all, you'll know that London is now on a Tier 2 lockdown in Boris Johnson's three-tier system. The tiers of a clown, you might say. Um, this means, that, of course, that households are no longer able to mix in pubs or you have to sit outside. And I just thought I'd mention, I like Roger Protz's, uh, you know, the beer writer, yeah, his yeah. tweet about the, the disinformation about pubs. Uh, he wrote that um, hospitality, apparently, uh, combined, combined, so pubs and restaurants, uh, accounts for less than 5% of COVID transmissions and uh, therefore seem to be punished disproportionately despite doing everything right, which uh, chimes with my experience. They seem yeah. to be working really hard to make sure that everyone is socially distant. Uh, and yet they're... Um, obliged to shut early and now you know you can't sit inside unless you're from the same household yeah um, so they're kind of caught between this terrible rock and a hard place aren't they where they're not being forced to shut so they can't go for the funding or the furloughing no. grants and um, but no one can go you know. yeah i feel like the bar staff could do with a shout out really i mean they have been fantastic everywhere i've been you know yeah it's a difficult situation they're in and they've they've dealt with it with good humour and uh, despite it being a fucking nightmare for Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Uh, we had claps for the uh, the nurses. I would do it for um, we yeah. have a clap for the bar staff, but I've got a point in my hand, so <laughs> maybe a clink. Clink to for the bar, the bar staff. staff. Yeah, I did hear about one pub though in the north that had a sign up saying no walking without masks, no approaching the bar. No lingering looks at people on other tables. <laughs> That's a bit harsh. You can't even flirt with someone now. But, you know, I suppose they... I uh, think that was just for times. you, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, these restrictions, quite frankly, are likely to force many pubs to close, aren't they? And um, yeah, that's the... what can we do about it? Well, we can stop what we're doing right now and go to the pub. Yeah. Just stop what you're doing, go to the pub... And keep doing that every day. Use We're doing it. everything we can. No one's done more of any. No one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, use them or lose them. It's, it really is as simple as that. And uh, as if to uh, 
provide an example of that, we've got some news of some places that are closing, unfortunately. One of them was, of course, Canavans, which we mentioned before in Peckham, the pool hall. Um, you saw another one that had closed. Uh, well, we'll be coming to uh, the George Canning, won't we? But uh, oh, yeah. uh, one reopened. That's good. The, yeah. The Royal Oak. Uh, the oh yes. Classic Harvey's pub. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in, in Borough. Borough. Yeah. Uh, a couple have opened, which I think is fantastic news in uh, in the circumstances. Mm. Um, I, I don't know when the, exactly the old joinery opened. Uh, it's on Creekside, uh, sort mm. of Greenwich, Deptford borders. Mm. And it's part. You know, my dream was always that Creekside would be filled with. 20 bars and an off license and, um, they've just they just uh, at least there's one there now and it's yeah. really it, it's really lovely actually oh, that's good yeah it's an old warehouse with uh, oh. and it's, but it's mostly outside mm. um, and another has opened the, the hangar um, they've got a micro pub in Seacup they've opened one in mm. Welling as well so Welling's Never heard got of it. two you've been there <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a cracking micro pub uh, the one in Seacup mm. uh, but so now Welling has two micro pubs Mm. Um, and uh, yes, George Canning. Perhaps you can tell us about the closure. The George Canning in Camberwell, Denmark Hill. Yeah, that's closed. Uh, closed this summer um, after someone had their jaw broken and was stabbed in the stomach. Oh, the start at the end. Start okay. at the end. All right. Police attended the pub and found this. I've got this from the actual statement report. The uh, police attended the pub and found the manager in an alley next to the pub. Oh, yeah. They requested to review the CCT of the incident. The manager initially denied there was any available, <laughs> but then later admitted that he, there was some available, and he led the police to the office where they viewed the footage. It should be noted, reads the statement, that the manager appeared intoxicated. <laughs> um... The police then obtained the keys to the inside of the licence area of the pub to examine any potential crime scene, and they found two suspects hiding in a cupboard. <laughs> both, <laughs> both. I, I don't know why we're laughing because someone's got stabbed. In. Oh, so yeah. to, you know, stop, stop laughing. Yeah, yeah sorry, sorry. Both were arrested on sus suspicion of assault. The CCTV was viewed, showing an incident at two twenty a.m. Uh, when uh, someone believed to be the victim was punching a suspect and then the three of them, including his girlfriend, attacked him and dragged him to the ground. Um, the weapon was disposed of. The victim then left the premises where he was found by the member of the public after hearing his calls for help. They are, due to this, uh, suspending the licence. I think that's probably wise, don't you? Yes. Yeah. I mean, basically, if you're going to... You, you know, it's just bad behaviour. If you're, if you're lucky enough to how... be treated to a lock-in... Yes. Don't go stabbing anyone. Calm yourself. Calm yes, yourself. Yes. So I don't think we'll be seeing the uh, George Canning open again anytime soon. No. There's a, there are similar sort of incidents apparently in 2018, 2019. Yeah. It seems such a weird place for these sort of things to happen, but there you go. Yeah. I mean, if only there was an example from our betters on how to to, to behave, like George Canning himself. He was. Uh, yeah. Who was George Canning again? He was a, um, a prime minister towards the end of his life, but oh, yeah. he was an old Etonian who had a dispute when he was foreign secretary with uh, Lord Castlereagh, the, who was the uh, secretary of state for war and the colonies and and so they settled their dispute like gentlemen on Putney Heath shooting each other in a duel mm. Canning got shot in the thigh because mm. uh, Cossary was a good shot and mm. George Canning had never picked up a pistol before mm. 
kind of ruined his career, really, as, yeah. as a lot of people thought that wasn't the way to behave. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it's not that much better than stabbing, is it? It's not much better, is it? Yeah, yeah. But at least in keeping with, you know, at least the stabbing is sort of keeping in, you know, settling disputes Mm. with weapons. (laughs) This country. (laughs) Um, Moving on to... uh, Other news. uh, Other news, quickly. Um, You... Did you see there's an actual test for... Covid nineteen. Yes, which that you involves... can do at home. Yeah, that, that was yeah, that was a groundbreaking. Yes, I, I did read about that. Um, mm. Yes, uh, how to test yourself for coronavirus. Mm. Step one: pour a glass of wine and try to smell it. Oh yeah. Step of two: if you can smell the wine, then drink some, see if you can taste it. Yeah, clever. Step three: if you can smell it and taste it, you can probably confirm you don't have coronavirus. Right. Uh, Last night I did a test nine times and all were negative, thank God. Uh, So tonight I'm going to try the test again because I woke up with a terrible headache and I feel I might be coming down with something. (laughs) That's not news at all, is it? You're just being silly. Well, you know, taste and smell. One man's news is another man's silly. Um, I saw that, uh, just referring to our previous podcast, which was about Bob Marley when we wandered around smoking weed in Crystal Palace Park, um, I was pleased to see that he is to have a plaque erected at Crystal Palace Park Bowl. Great, yes, yes, I saw that, yes. And not uh, not a plague, as yeah, it says I, I, here. Yeah, I thought it was a plague. I was <laughs> really a bit harsh. <laughs> um, and that is to commemorate Bob's biggest and last London gig, which, yeah. of course, we spoke about last time. Mm. That's a nice little follow-up. And, and also, as a corollary to that, uh, Johnny Nash mm. uh, sadly died, didn't he, last week? Um, and he, of course, along with Bob, visited Peckham Manor School... Um, for a, a gig, we did a little gig, gig with, yeah, 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 for for the kids again, which we uh, which you can uh, hear about in our previous podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, now you wanted to talk about a uh, a discovery in Manhattan. Yes, that's right. Uh, um, officials discovered under Grand Central Station mm. a man cave. <laughs> Uh, containing a futon, a widescreen TV, and a fridge stocked with beer. Um. I mean, what strange civilization could have lived there? Um, there were three workers who were suspected of using it as an illegal break room, uh, yeah. uh, which which they denied. Um, uh, but yeah, perfect. I mean, I, I guess whoever's done the sports subscription is going to get done for that because that's uh, true. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, this if you're going to have to work. Well, we've all, we've all got. We've, I mean, this is the nest uh, gambit, isn't it? Mm. Where you find a secret spot at work, and yeah, you, know, you, know, you can go there on your break, or even when it's not your break. Mm. Congrats to them. I mean, there's a, that's an early entry for the bum dossers, if you ask me. Yes. But yeah, I did enjoy that tale. Mm. Um, I wanted to mention uh, Marks and Sparks new crisps. Oh yes, yeah. This is the this is the Chris News section, isn't it? Chris News section. Moving on to the Chris News section. Yeah. Sometimes an idea is so clear, so obvious, so natural mm. that 
time almost seems to stand still and, <laughs> and it becomes eternal. Uh, I'm, I'm talking, of course, about Marks and Spencer's roast potato flavour crisps. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's genius. Roast potato crisps. Oh. Thanks to Goose for tipping me off about these. Um, honestly, it's so obvious, isn't it? It's so brilliant. Mm. I mean... Um, Maybe there's a little bit more to them. I haven't had them yet, by the way, but uh, obviously there's a bit of salt and a bit of pepper, but there's also a hint of rosemary and a touch of garlic. You know, it's just not everyone does their rose potatoes yeah, these days, yeah. I'm sure. Um, but I'm looking forward to those. Probably done in goose fat as well, aren't they? That's <laughs> yes. what attracted him. <laughs> yes, exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, in further crisp news, uh, um, a nation mourns the loss of the crisp brand Brannigan's. Do you remember... <gasps> The roast beef and mustard. mustard. Yeah, and that powerful mustard. Oh, it's the strongest it's right crisp up, out there. Straight up into your nose, that yeah. was. Is yeah. it gone? They're gone forever? They're gone forever, yeah. KP Snacks said uh, demand had dipped uh, dramatically. Mm. And many people have pointed out that's because you haven't been fucking putting them in all the pubs, <laughs> have you, you tossers? <laughs> uh, the food critic Tom Parker Bowles said, The news brought a tear to my eye just as those glorious crisps did with their mighty mustard blast. Clever, yeah. yeah. Clever. It's a travesty wrapped in a debacle. <laughs> <laughs> that is a real shame. Gutted, really yeah. upset about that. Yeah, me too. Um, is that it for crisp news? I think that's the Apart end of the crisp news. Apart from the fact news. that you'd like some because you're hungry. I am, yeah. Um, yeah Do you want okay. to tell them about you can't, how you manage n- not to have your fish finger sandwich? <laughs> no, it's too sad, isn't it? It's too, too sad, sad, too sad. Yeah. Um, okay, let's get back on the trail of Dylan, shall we? Um, but before we do, Pop Quiz 2. Yeah. We're going to be heading south now, mm. I'm pleased to say. We're going to head to Hearn Hill, SE24, mm-hmm. to a Grade 2 listed Victorian building and one of just 270 pubs on the Campaign for Real Ale's National Inventory of Historic Pub Interiors. Mm. For many years, it was a live music venue. Indeed. It is now sadly no longer, but it does host live entertainment each year for Dylan Day on the 14th of May. Mm. For one English pint, can you name this pub? Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Okay, here we are in Hearn Hill, and we are, of course, at... The Half Moon. The Half Moon. Um, where we've got another pint of um, London Pride. Not quite as good as the one in the Marks of Granby. No. Um, despite the fact that the Half Moon is now a Fuller's pub. Yeah. Make of that what you will. <laughs> um... Yeah, Half Moon. So, as you'll see on the uh, on the website in the on 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 the podcast page, it's a very handsome Victorian pub, inside and out. Uh, as Dylan Thomas would have known, because he was a regular. Yes, not a lot of people know that. Not a lot of people know that. Uh, Dylan Thomas would come to Hernhill to watch London Welsh rugby team. Where did they play? They played at Hernhill Velodrome at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Confusing. Local overlords, the Dulwich Estate, wouldn't allow alcohol on the premises, so the team and the supporters adopted the Half Moon as their clubhouse. 
and Thomas, as we might expect, was a very vocal contributing member to this throng. <laughs> <laughs> His friend, Evan Samuel, a sculptor, recalled him as adding great luster to the occasions here in uh, the Half Moon. And um, it's not hard to imagine him holding court in the little back snug or waving his cock around at the bar. <laughs> Can you leave his cock out? <laughs> He probably only did it once. <laughs> I doubt it. Oh. Uh, yeah, people tend to do those sort of things once, as That's we know. True. Yes, yeah. Um, now, as locals will know, across the junction from Half Moon lies Milkwood Road. Um, and some years back, Thomas expert John Tregenner wondered if Dylan had known this when he named his famous play Under Milk Wood. Mm or rather renamed it. Um, the original title of Undermilk Wood, as you may recall, mm. was Hlaregub. Yeah, catchy. Yeah, which looks Welsh, but was actually bugger all backwards. Yeah. Uh, and which his agent deemed to be too tricksy for American audiences. Um, or indeed anyone. <laughs> yeah. But I like the fact that it looks Welsh. Uh, yeah. It starts yeah. Welsh anyway. Yes. Um, but yeah, uh, his agent didn't like it. How about Milt Wood? Under Milt Wood, said Thomas. Uh, apparently, while on a bus over Waterloo Bridge. Mm. Possibly even a 68 to Hearn Hill. Which we just caught. Yeah. Um, and the play was renamed on the spot. Um, mm. Although its derivation mystified Thomas devotees for decades. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't seem unreasonable that as a half-moon regular, Dylan Thomas may have known of Miltwood Road uh, and recycled it for his play. But then... John Trogena made a further discovery. Dylan Thomas actually lodged on Milk Road itself. Mm. Uh, and the link was cemented, as well as obviously uh, Thomas's connection to South London. Yeah. He used to be a Welsh poet, now he's a South London poet. <laughs> um, but all didn't end well for our Dylan, sadly. Uh, he, in 50, 1953, he arrived in New York to undertake a tour of poetry reading and talks and rehearsals for Under Milk Wood. He was already unwell with chest trouble, gout and blackouts. Gout, yes. It's Sounds a bit like you, boy. Yeah, it's the, po <laughs> it's the poet's curse. <laughs> oh, help me nurse. I mean, you, you, you have had emphysema. <laughs> you, you've, you've got gout and you can't remember anything from one night to the next. So, I mean, it's very similar. You watch out. Anyway, he got steadily worse and... Uh, on a month, a month later, on the 3rd of November, Thomas spent most of the day in bed at the Chelsea Hotel, drinking. Yeah. <laughs> he went out in the evening to keep two further drink appointments. <laughs> and after returning to the hotel, he went out again for a drink at 2am. <laughs> yes. This man was putting his hours in, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, after drinking at the White Horse, a pub he'd found through Scottish poet Ruth Todd, Thomas returned to the Chelsea Hotel. His last words were reputed to have been, I've had 18 straight whiskies. I think that's the record. <laughs> uh, then he fell into a coma and he never recovered. He was 39. Amazing, really, to think he was just half your age. <laughs> so, hat tip to, Tom, uh, uh, to Thomas. Um, as you yeah. mentioned earlier, apart from the drinking, he is a really rather brilliant uh, writer and poet. 
We loved uh, we love uh, Under Milk Wood. Yeah, I, I mean, I first probably read that when I was a teenager, and uh, yeah, you didn't have to understand it to enjoy it, really. Mm, I mean, yeah. later later I did understand it, mm, but yeah. Um, yeah, his use of language is yeah. uh, unparalleled. Yeah, I mean, again, we've we, we've we've gone we've done uh, Under Milk Wood in a previous podcast, which you could possibly find. Uh, I wouldn't call it a, a deep and meaningful critique, but we just um, mm. read some bits out what we liked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's another story I liked about him. He, he, he used to crash at lots of places when when the money was tight. Mm. He stayed at the historian's AJP Taylor's mm. for about three months, and uh, Taylor hated him. <laughs> <laughs> and he used to drink fifteen to twenty pints a day okay. while he was there. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, so that gives the lie to uh, Half-Life's old saying, doesn't it, that uh, even if you're a millionaire, you can still only drink 20 pints a day. Yeah, it's getting a bit chilly now, isn't it? Yeah, it is a bit. Maybe we need to share body heat. Uh, what are you doing? Just laying my head in your lap like Dylan Thomas. Oh, yeah. Righto. I haven't misread the signals, have I? Well, please don't get your cock out if that's what you mean. <laughs> Will you marry me, Vinny? Only if it means we can sit inside the pub together. Well, think of the tax benefits. Do I have to? It's no good. I could never be with someone so irresponsible. Thank God for that. Point? Point. You're a bomb-dosser. Our nominees for this episode's bomb-dosser are as follows. <laughs> Number one, Carmen Jimenez. Um, I've got to get this up on my phone because uh, I couldn't be bothered to type it all out. Uh, did you see about Carmen Jimenez? No, no. no. Um, she is... Uh, an antisocial Spanish woman who uh, reportedly pretended to be blind for 28 years oh. so that she wouldn't have to stop and say hello to people in the street. <laughs> <laughs> Carmen Jimenez, 57, told everyone, including her own family, that she'd lost her vision in an accident. Her husband and family were shocked when she finally came clean, yet not entirely surprised. They'd felt there was something fishy about her story for some time. Her husband said she could put on her makeup perfectly and that they sometimes caught her looking at the TV from the corner of her eye. <laughs> I've never been a very social person, she said. By pretending to be blind, I was able to avoid many social responsibilities. <laughs> you know, it's an option, isn't it? Yeah, it's an option. It's Log, it. About. Log yeah. it for future reference. Um... And my second nominee is a Royal Navy Lieutenant Commander who was reportedly drunk on duty. Mm -hmm. um, he, he's been sent home, uh, the BBC News reported, uh, he has been sent home after reporting to take charge for a submarine's Trident nuclear missiles while unfit for duty. The lieutenant commander is under investigation at Falsane Naval Base in Scotland amid reports he had been drinking. Colleagues raised concerns when the weapons engineering officer arrived for work on the three billion pound HMS Vigilant last month. Staggering drunk. <laughs> 
according to the Scottish Sun. HMS Vigilant carries eight Trident missiles armed with nuclear warheads. <laughs> the BB understand, BBC understands the officer had been drinking the night before and was carrying a bag of leftover chicken from a barbecue for his lunch. <laughs> that's, that's my favourite bit. <laughs> that detail is my favourite bit. So I'd like to offer you those two yeah, for consideration. Very good. Yeah, mine is a brief one. It was really from mm. just a photo that appeared on the internet for uh, Burger Girl. She would uh, queue up at Burger King for her, I reckon, a Whopper. Um, but um, she, she knew what to expect in terms of queuing, so she would bring her own chair mm. so she could sit down in the queue whilst oh. waiting for some fast food. Was she was she big girl? Big girl. Yeah. Okay, okay. Interesting. I mean, they're not really ever that long, are they, the queues? So it's quite an effort. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah, she knew what she was doing, though. Yeah, she, yeah. She knew she had a little wait, <laughs> a little sit-down. Love a sit-down. Um, who are we going for, then? Uh, I think, all things considered, I might go Spanish. Yeah, okay. Carmen Jimenez. Well done, Carmen. You're a bomb-dosser. Is it time for the scene? <gasps> The scene. The social media scene. <laughs> <laughs> what you got? Right. Uh, I've got to find this <laughs> in my uh, Twitter book. Then he's gone paper, gone paper free today, isn't you? I have, And yeah. fish finger sandwich free. Yes. Um, yes, so my first one was from a, uh, a guy called Keaton Patty. He claims to have put over a thousand words of Trump rallies, a thousand hours of Trump rallies into a bot mm. and got the bot to write a Trump rally for him. And uh, it starts off like this, uh, interior Big Arby's in South Wyoming, Oklahoma. President Trump forces himself on a podium. I just had a phone call with the economy. Jobs poured out of the phone. Great jobs. Tall jobs. Steve jobs. All at Kinko's. The crowd cheers. It is full of real Americans. Man with hard hat. Man with harder hat. Gun that is alive. The United Snakes is doing so good. Other countries are on fire. All the people are on fire. Hot fire too. Not us. Our flag is so beautiful. President Trump salutes a flag that says, Arby's food is fine to eat. The crowd howls. They love this flag of America. I signed a bill. No more swamp. Swamp gone. Swamp is in Mexico now. It's on fire. Great deal for us. <laughs> Farm pals cheat us. Canada steals our milk. China steals our milk. We only had one glass of milk left. Obama drank it. Not fair. <laughs> the crowd boos. They wanted that milk. But like President Ronald Rogaine, I will bring back the milk. The crowd roars. They still want that milk. A wall of milk. No criminals get through. Democrats want criminals to have the milk. No way. Milk comes from coal. We'll dig it up. I think I'd vote for you. <laughs> uh, can I just say that while you were reading that, we seem to be in the middle of a typhoon? Yes, it's chucking it down. This uh, is 
classic podcast weather, this. Oh, my God. We're, we're in a little, um, what do you call it? It's not a hut, is it? No. We're undercover in yeah. the back garden of the Half Moon, if you're worried about us. <laughs> uh, another thing I saw on the uh, social media scene was Susie Dent, who, uh, oh, yeah. who uh, has her book, Word Perfect, and she uh, often quotes from it. Um, yeah. with, with words from uh, times gone past. Uh, one of them uh, I liked was bags of mystery, which was Victorian slang for sausages. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> sums them up. Because <laughs> you never knew quite what was in them. No. And another one, uh, very on message, was for sloth. Yes. For anyone who has squandered a morning, afternoon or entire day by futzing about and achieving very little, it may be some solace to know that such loafing is nothing new. In the 13th century they knew all about it too. It was then that the word for slothing was born, the perfect pithy description of wasting time through idleness. To for sloth the day away is to forfeit it for no other reason than being a supreme sluggard. Uh, and uh, that she updated it with some more recent versions. Yeah. Uh, one of which was fart arsing. Oh yes, fart which, arsing. Uh, my father always used to say, "Stop fart arsing about." <laughs> and uh, I'm very fond of the, both the words and the activity. <laughs> um, on the scene, I saw a guy on Twitter tweeted a picture of himself, and he wrote. Four years ago, I was doing trolleys at Sainsbury's on a Monday night. I left, worked hard, and got a degree from the University of Sheffield. Now I'm doing trolleys at Waitrose on a Friday night. <laughs> Never give up. <laughs> and then uh, I, I really enjoyed, Ian Higgins asked, have you ever, what's the most hungover you've been at an iconic location on holiday? <laughs> Good question. Uh, I thought I was going to die at the Sistine Chapel, he wrote. He had a number of uh, respondees. Um, Steph Deb said that uh, we went on a bender the night before we were going to Machu Picchu. My friend was so hungover that she stayed at the bottom with a bag of Cheetos and never saw it. <laughs> Death by Tacos chipped in at Budapest Baths. My mate was so hanging, he sat in the tiny wooden changing room cubicle for three hours while we went in. Oh. There are several from um, Auschwitz, Robben Island and Anne Frank Museum. All, all terrible hangover tales, which all ended in huge amounts of self-loathing. Mm. <laughs> A warning to everybody. Uh, Sarah G um, chipped in with, on a school trip to Barcelona, I slept in the coach outside the Sagrada Familia. I'd been clubbing <laughs> all night. I was the teacher. <laughs> I missed the church. I hear it's good. Uh, Tim Elbra wrote, spewed 20 metres underwater while scuba diving on the Great Barrier Reef multiple times after a few days on it with the boys. Dicey, but highly effective for attracting sea life. <laughs> I think my favourite was um, Stocky Hines, who uh, remembered Cape Town. All day night sesh, ending with a curry, bed about 1am. Next morning, shark cage diving. Oh. <laughs> Picked up at 6.30am for a two hour bus ride. 
spent 45 minutes underwater with a great white circling the cage, ruined the wetsuit, <laughs> was sick on the boat, awful. <laughs> oh, so good, so good. Um, well done, everyone. Well done, everyone involved. Um, so, uh, yeah, all this talk of hangovers. I know. Should we go and get one? Let's go and get one. Let's get out of this rain, if we can. Um, thank you very much for listening, uh, as ever. Yeah, and thanks again to our series sponsor, Go Out London. Thank you, Go Out London. Uh, this is the last in the series, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so we will be going off for an ill-deserved break. <laughs> uh, going into hibernation for a month or so. Um, talking of which, I read the other day that snails can sleep for up to three years. No, really? Wow, I've never been jealous of a snail before. <laughs> um, but when you wake them, they always say, can I just have another 20 minutes? <laughs>